This is the Jason Walker Show. Two-time National Sports Media Association Montana Sportscaster of the Year and three-time loser, the Jason Walker Show. The best local and statewide sports coverage featuring the biggest guests from Montana. Flint Rasmussen uh, joining us here on the Jason Walker Show. He's freaking exhausting, too. You used to dance a lot more. Yeah, I know, lady. I'm 51 years old now. The NAI Hall of Famers, Mike Vandese joining us here at Jason Walker Show. And is it just a deal where quarterbacks have to be good golfers? Well, that's all they have time for. They don't work out. They don't lift weight. They don't do anything else. They might as well go get on the golf course and at least have some fun. And from across the country. Doug Gottlieb, our guest here on the Jason Walker Show. End of the day, remember, it, it's your show. It's got your name on it. Howie Mandel, our guest here. Jason Walker. Deal or no deal. The Jason Walker Show. Broadcasting from the Major Mortgage Man Cave. Here's Jason Walker. Hey, happy uh, Tuesday. The Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center. We are inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave. And the big show today. I mean, huge. We're going past 5 o'clock. Yeah, for those on Treasure State Radio, if you want to tune into uh, anything, uh, Podbean, Network One Sports, JasonWalkerShow.com. We're going to talk to country music uh, up-and-comer Talon Hope coming up at uh, 5 o'clock. We also have... An in-depth conversation with Frontier Conference Commissioner Ken Paulson on the way. We will talk uh, in seconds to, uh, or in minutes rather, to Major League Baseball umpire Phil Cuzzy um, about a big benefit for ALS that you can actually be a part of because it is virtual this year. And also get his thoughts on uh, Helena umpire Brian Knight. And we're also uh, coming up in about a half an hour we're going to talk with Haley Sutton. And Haley, uh, you might remember, worked in Great Falls for a while. She's now down in Montgomery, Alabama. But uh, remember last week, uh, the Mets, New York Mets, fired the general manager that they had just hired last month after allegations and, well, not even allegations, but um, the story came out of him uh, sexually harassing a female reporter. So we're going to have a very in-depth conversation with Haley Sutton coming up at the bottom of the hour about sexual harassment uh, in sports and women. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Enlightening, let me say that. So, all right, uh, let's get started. You can watch on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can also listen live on Podbean, Network One Sports, TreasureStateRadio.com. Go to JasonWalkerShow.com. You can email us, Jason at jasonwalkershow.com, tweet at jwalkersports. As I said, we are brought to you by Capital Collision Center. Montana State Law says it is your vehicle, it is your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center. Today, one year ago, uh, Kobe Bryant passed away, along with others, including his daughter. And friends and, and it's just it's been a tough day for multiple people um, especially for the Bryant family obviously but uh, we do think about Kobe and his family 
so. It was a year ago. I, I mean, it's just un, it's amazing that it's been a year. There are some reported uh, candidates for coaching uh, staff at Montana State for the head coach. Skyline Sports reporting Coulter Nuan is doing a great job. And that's how you give credit. Uh, Coulter uh, reporting some of the candidates include Travis Lule, um, Junior Adams, a couple of former Bobcat standouts. Also, Jeff Fisher, former NFL coach, uh, apparently is very interested in the job. His kid played in Missoula. But Fisher basically spends most of his time in Montana now. Um, Bobby uh, Daly and multiple others. Uh, give you more, but the the website is actually down, skylinesportsmt.com, but uh, Colter reporting that. All right. We'll keep an eye on that, obviously, as well. So just uh, we'll figure out who's going to be the next coach in Montana State. Kane Ione introduced today at Boise, officially. Will he come back, though? I doubt it. I don't think so. I mean, everybody says, oh, he's still in the – he just – he just took the job at Boise, like he accepted it. So I don't think Kane Ione is going to be the next head coach uh, at Montana State. But we'll have others. We'll uh, we'll speculate on. All right. Uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, is a terrible disease, as are most diseases. Uh, ALS that we know in baseball circles because of Lou Gehrig and uh, – Phil Cuzzy is a Major League Baseball umpire and has been for years. And his best friend passed away, and uh, he started um, a foundation and gives back to ALS research. And earlier this morning, I had a chance to catch up with him. He is a Major League Baseball umpire who knows Brian Knight from Helena very well, and we'll talk about Brian as well. But joining us now on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline, here is Major League Baseball umpire Phil Cuzzy. Uh, first off, thanks for joining <laughs> us this morning. But uh, um, let's let's start with the reason of the call, and that is uh, your your friend Robert Luongo and his passing with ALS. And in baseball circles, everybody knows all too well about ALS and and Lou Gehrig's disease. But you've been doing now 17 years a benefit and fundraiser for ALS. Take me through this. Yeah, so um, in in the year, uh, I guess it was 2000, uh, my, my, one of my best and dearest friends, who was also like a cousin to me because his mother's sister married my mother's brother, we were the same age, we grew up together, we went to junior high together, high school, played ball together, uh, Robert was our captain of the football team. He was an all-state linebacker in, in Belleville, New Jersey. And uh, in 2000, he told me that something was going on with his hand. It was it was numb. It was getting numb, and it was trying to move up his arm. And uh, when he when he finally went to the doctor and and was diagnosed, uh, he came back and and told me that uh, he'd just been given a death sentence. Uh, he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and. You know, as you said, uh, being around baseball, you, you, you kind of knew the story of Lou Gehrig, and you, you saw the movie, and uh, but you really didn't know what it was all about, and and we certainly didn't know what it was all about, but uh, but we quickly learned what it was all about, and it was it's a terrible. 
small muscle movement uh, in, in, the, uh, in the patient. And uh, eventually the only thing that they have left is the movement of their eyes. And that's where we began raising money, and we purchased a computer for Robert to be able to type with the movement of, of only using his, the movement of his eyes. And, um, you know, since that time, it just has grown into, uh, you know, again, I wanted to just raise enough money from our community, which we did, to, to purchase this computer, and I had leftover money. So I said, what do I do? I didn't really want to be in the, in the, in the charity, you know, fundraising business. But it, it forced me to really, you know, apply for and receive through the Internal Revenue Service of 501c3. And uh, so uh, our platform was that we would raise money for patient care, whether it was uh, wheelchairs or ramps or, um, you know, uh, helping uh, uh, home care aid, uh, conversion vans, chairlifts, whatever it happened to be. Uh, we, we said we would always give money to research, which, which we do. We, we help fund uh, research programs. And we also give scholarships to, um, to uh, children of uh, ALS victims, be, you know, be it their parent or their grandparent. Uh, education was important to Robert. He was a Harvard graduate. And uh, we raised money to help uh, his daughter, who was then nine when he died, uh, to follow in his footsteps. And she attended and graduated from Harvard. Wow. So it's really been, uh, it has grown so far beyond my expectation um, that it's it's really so heartfelt when I get a phone call and uh, someone says, you know, we appreciate that uh, that you put in a chairlift because now we can get my 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 husband, you know, out of the bedroom and on and downstairs into the family room or or whatever it happens to be. So it's um, you know, it's really and that's what we do and we have no paid. Uh, we, we have, we're all volunteer. We have no paid employees, so every dollar that comes in uh, goes out to uh, in the name of ALS in, in whatever the, the, as I mentioned, the three categories that we uh, you know that we focus on. And it's just been um, it's just been wonderful. It's it's been great. Uh, everything you know, we've always had just one event a year, <clears throat> and we've had you know everyone is is volunteers their their time and their talent whether it's the dj whether it's a singer whether it's a photographer a printer for the programs whatever car service to, to pick up our, our mystery guest which we've had many over the years uh, with my connection in baseball you know we've had people like joe torrey tommy lasorda uh, goose gossage joe girardi we've had uh, the raging bull jake lamada We've had heavyweight champ Larry Holmes has been in the house. Joe Piscopo, who's a Jersey guy. Uh, Steve Sharippa from the Sopranos and the Blue Bloods. And, and uh, you know, no one looks for, for a dime. No one looks for anything. They just want to help. And, and that's what we found, that, that people want to help. And I think it's important that people want to know where their donations are going. And, and we tell them. And, and we, you know, we, we present checks at our, at our banquets and, and, you know, uh, you know, we turned over a check for $50,000 for a research program with the ALS Association. Over the years, we've raised, you know, uh, over $800,000, and and it uh, and the people know exactly where it's going, and I think that's why they they continue to uh, be willing to help us. Bill Cousy, our guest here, Major League Baseball umpire, and this event coming up Thursday night at uh, uh, Five Mountain Seven Eastern. Um, but it's going to be virtual because of everything, and uh, people can go online to robertlawangogoalsfund.org 
and uh, purchase a ticket to, to do this, uh, to view it. Um, but Bob Costas is going to lead a discussion. You've got Bobby Valentine, Joe Torre again. And uh, it, it, I'm, I, I actually, uh, I think I'm going to be, I want to watch this and, and help out. It's just a great, great, great thing. Yeah, just just to be clear, the 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 website that they can go on to to uh, purchase a ticket or make a donation or even check out our memorabilia. We have great memorabilia, not just sports, mostly sports memorabilia, but we have some Star Trek uh, memorabilia. William Shatner signed a, uh, a, a a uniform top from Star Trek, but it's Robert Luongo L U O N G O A L S Fund dot org, or uh, a little easier, WeFightALS.org. And um, it, as you mentioned, it's it's virtual this year, so you can go on, you can purchase a ticket. And, um, you know, the last thing I thought about doing was having a virtual event because I, I think, like myself, so many people are tired of just sitting in front of a computer, mm-hmm. whether it's for your kid's school or whether it's for your, your office meeting or whatever it happens to be. And at first I wasn't going to do anything, but then when I thought about the, you know, the resources that I had, uh, you know, and, and they were all willing to help. Bob Costas says, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And I said, how about leading a discussion? We'll get Joe Torrey, Bobby Valentine, Bucky Dent. He said, done. Just tell me, you know, when. And, uh, you know, the other guys, same thing. And, uh, you know, they, they had this great discussion that, uh, you know, these are three old school guys and, uh, they, they talk about the modern game. And you may be surprised to hear some of the things that they say, but then the live portion of it is going to be, um, we're going to be speaking to the three sons of three of the greatest Yankees of all time. So we have Larry Berra, we have Randy Maris, and David Mantle, and they will take questions. Uh, you could ask about their dads, about what it was like growing up in the shadows of, of a great player like that. And then uh, we will also have Steve Sharippa, from Sopranos fame and Blue Bloods fame. And the questions are rolling in for, for all of those guys. And as I say, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was have a virtual event. I certainly hope this is the last year that we yeah. have to do it, but I think it's a great alternative, and it'll be uh, very entertaining, and we're looking forward to it this Thursday. Yeah, Robert Luongo, ALSfund.org. I can read, I promise, Phil. Uh, unlike most umpires, I think, but um, I, I joke. Uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of umpires, <laughs> real quick, um, you know I'm in Helena, Montana, the hometown of Brian Knight. So what's it like working with him? Ah, Brian, I love Brian. I, I've worked with Brian. He, he's uh, we call him the Gypsy. In, in that part of the country, is he known as the Gypsy? I don't know. I've never actually gotten a chance to talk to with him. Oh, okay, yeah, a real nice guy. Uh, he, he was, you know, I saw him work in the minor leagues, and I said, you know, this kid has something, and and he's a good guy, really good guy. I enjoy working with him. Actually, uh, he was, he, we were going to be on the same crew in the uh, 2020 season. That never happened. Well, it happened, but yeah. it didn't happen the same way, and and everything got chopped up, and and guys opted out, and they regionalized, and uh, but yeah, we were supposed to be working together again. Uh, are we going to have a full Sorry, season? I got to jump in. Phil, I appreciate. We're hoping to. Yeah, we're hoping to. I know you got to run. I appreciate the we're time. Planning on it. And uh, take care, my friend. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. That was Phil Cuzzy, Major League Baseball umpire, and uh, joining us on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline again. Robert Luongo, ALS Fund.
org. Um, but every I mean, somebody's been touched by ALS, and it's like cancer, and it's it's horrendous. And uh, if you can, it's going to be cool. And some of the just go there and check out some of the items up for bid on the auction. And uh, going to be a good time on Thursday night. All right, quick break. Coming back, Frontier Conference Commissioner Kent Paulson. Don't forget, uh, 5 o'clock, top of the hour, we will talk to Talon Hope, country music singer and songwriter. Also, bottom of the hour, a conversation with Haley Sutton about sexual harassment in sports. Much more still to come. Kent Paulson next, Jason Walker Show. Hang on. New vehicles keep coming, and Capital Collision Center keeps earning certifications to repair them. They're Helena's newest GM-certified facility. No matter the make or year, they repair your car to manufacturer's standards and requirements, maintaining its safety and value. Montana State Law says it's your vehicle and it's your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center, certified in GM, Subaru, and Nissan, and Helena's only shop certified in Honda, Acura, and Ford. When you value safety, go to Capital Collision Center on Euclid. Have you thought about buying a home and just don't know where to begin? Well, when it comes to one of the most important purchases one can make, we understand it can be frustrating and confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Major Mortgage Team help you with all your mortgage needs. Major Mortgage means major service, and we would love the opportunity to help you today. Give J.R. McFadden, NMLS number 1246357, a call today at 406-465-1918. Or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of AMCAP Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender. Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings, or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Storewide savings are what you'll find when you shop for new home furnishings at Rucker's Furniture. This means tremendous values on Helena's largest in-stock selection of home furnishings. When you shop Rucker's, you'll find storewide savings on the furniture you want for every room in your home. And you'll also find our selection of Serta iComfort, the most comfortable beds in Helena. 12-month financing is available with approved credit on most purchases over $299. Ask for details. You'll find storewide savings at Rucker's Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show. I must be on the commissioner's list. <laughs> we tried Friday. We tried today to call him. It goes straight to voicemail. Uh, I don't. I don't. Maybe the commissioner just doesn't want to talk to us. Who knows? <laughs> we'll get a hold of him at some point. Oh goodness. <laughs> we love Kent. We love Ken Paulson. There is no question about that. Back inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave, Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center. And uh, this segment brought to you by our good friends at Rutgers Furniture. Make the quality choice for your home at Rutgers Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Um, let's do high school basketball rankings, shall we? Don't forget... Coming up in about 10 minutes, we will talk to Haley Sutton about sexual harassment uh, and women in sports. 
And we've talked about this on the show before, and it's going to be nice to have a female's perspective. Uh, let's check out your 406mtsports.com power polls, and we'll start with the girls. Hellgate's 5-0. and They're number one in Class AA. You got Capital, West, Helena High, and then Bozeman. And guess what? I think we have a uh, I think we have a call. Hold on. Is this is this the commissioner? <laughs> I uh, I cleared my voicemail and everything for you. I don't know. Uh, oh, I don't know why. That That's crazy because I get I get phone calls all day long and uh, it's uh, somewhere along the line our our two numbers uh, don't like each other. I guess. Dave. I guess so. <laughs> Uh, joining us live on the air, Commissioner of the Frontier Conference, Kent Paulson. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jason. It's always good to visit with you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we get to, we got winter. We're the end of January, but gosh, uh, I don't know what it's like in Helena. But we uh, the skiers are happy up here uh, on the top of the mountain, and we're real happy down on the bottom. I could I could mow my lawn. <laughs> it's crazy. We don't have hardly anything on the ground here, and. I know skiing uh, all over the state is taking a hit right now, so for the most part. But yeah. yeah. Um, Frontier Conference Commissioner Cam Paulson joining us. And uh, all right, I got to ask football schedule came out last week, um, revised football schedule again. And are we going to play? Well, I have every confidence, uh, Jason, that uh, we, we are. I really, uh, really am. Uh, I'm pleased uh, our athletic directors, it goes without saying, have worked extremely hard. Um, thanks to the presidents for uh, for allowing them to uh, sit down and and really take a lot of different variables in, into account. And uh, I, I really I really do believe that we will have football. And uh, you know, it was interesting. We we were uh, we were kind of happy that we were going to be occupying the limelight last fall. Uh, and it's kind of shaping up again now that we might be that uh, show in town and might be uh, Montana's uh, Montana's league here for some football this spring. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's think positive. And uh, again, uh, if anybody asks me for a football schedule in the next ten years, I've got a whole file full of them. <laughs> we've uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're out about number eight here, but we're uh, we're getting we're getting it done. <laughs> hey, uh, Commissioner, I was told earlier this month that the reason, the main reason the Frontier didn't play in the fall was because of the optics with the Cats and the Grizz not playing. How would it look if, you know, Western and Tech and Northern and the such were able to play? Um, is that still a concern? Well, um, I'm not sure that that was, you know, the, the reason per se. I, I, I certainly know the the board of regents uh, we have both state schools and private schools and right and uh, so there, there was uh, i'm sure there were some some discussions amongst the presidents but i uh, i know our presidents they're uh, they're uh, going to speak to their institutions um as it stands right now i think i think the big sky uh, has like six teams that have opted out now yeah. of of play uh montana montana state I see where Northern Colorado, I think, was the latest one. Uh, mm-hmm. Portland State, Sac State. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're uh, like I say, we're we're poised and ready. Uh, and uh, from a from a scheduling standpoint, uh, we think that we've uh, came up with a 
a real viable option. Uh, again, we, we want to uh, uh, certainly provide for all of our student athletes and for that fifth year senior, uh, we'd love to be able to see them uh, get the helmet and pads on and, and uh, go play some football. Yep. Uh, obviously, by scaling down the schedule, uh, we had a lot of parameters to work within uh, from both the NAI as well as our member schools. And, uh, you know, you have to remember we we entered pre-COVID with a 10-game schedule, and then we went to eight, then we went to seven, then we went to six. It's been a real countdown. Uh, and uh, we now have arrived at a four- to five-game schedule, depending upon the institution. And we're going to have four conference games, and uh, we're going to be able to start practicing a little bit later, which more realistic for Montana's weather, yeah. regardless of how, how good it is right now. We know it's still <laughs> cold. And uh, and then we're going to uh, put the ball on the tee on the 13th of uh, March, and we hope we get a good run in where uh, we can play continuously on through and right. have, a, have, a, have a team or teams uh, lined up and ready to go into the postseason. Uh, the NAI postseason begins on April 17th. Are, are we confident that SOU and Eastern are going to get cleared to play? Because, I mean, they can't even practice basketball in the Cascade Conference right now, let alone gear up for a football season. And I worry about those two especially. I know that everybody, the other six, including College of Idaho and the five in Montana, are desperately hoping they get to play. But how much in contact with the state of Oregon have you been so that SOU and EOU can, can play? We've monitored their situation very carefully, uh, Jason, and uh, we're certainly cognizant. Uh, uh, I know I know the uh, the health protocols literally for Idaho, Oregon, and Montana. And uh, again, uh, the athletic directors uh, at Southern Oregon and Eastern Oregon—they've worked every bit of, as hard as the uh, the rest of our <clears throat> uh, six ads, uh, comprising our eight-team league, and uh, they have every hope of. Uh, of uh, being able to present a schedule to their student athletes, but uh, we, we've had to. I mean, smart thinking, uh, you know, says you better have a you better have a, a plan B in case their legislation uh, from their state government in Oregon doesn't allow for it. And uh, we we certainly have that uh, tucked away, and and we're ready to roll. But uh, first and foremost, we'd love to have all eight members of our football conference. Uh, be able to play that's our plan mm -hmm. uh until somebody tells us differently uh we we know that in the uh the next uh few days or few weeks uh that a decision will be made probably sooner than later and uh, then we can uh, cast the die as to which highway we're gonna we're gonna travel but uh like i say we're we're planning on uh, kicking off volleyball uh the first fight goes off at uh, Friday night of this week, and we're going to have basketball going, we're going to have volleyball going, and we soon to soon to have football. So along with golf gonna, uh, and indoor or outdoor track too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Is there, uh, is there enough buses in the state of Montana for all these teams? <laughs> well, buses, bus drivers, and let's not forget about our good trainers. Uh, oh, they uh, they pretty much living at the school anyway because they're wearing uh, the hat of the school's trainer as well as the uh, the uh, school's health officer and uh, you know we've had a 
we've had so much work go into this from so many entities, Jason, but uh, it's smooth operation. I mean, sure, we we virus test for a reason, and uh, we've had our hiccups that we knew we were going to have. But overall, you know, for the sports fan to put on the webcast and, and watch uh, quality production and just to see the smile on the faces of the kids getting a chance to play, uh, it's really uh, it's really rewarding and and I just can't thank the the people of the Frontier Conference enough. I mean, there's just there's been so many people that have worked tirelessly behind the scenes to uh, to make whatever we can get happen, and I just think uh, I just think that it's, uh, they're so they're so much appreciated by by all. Certainly. Oh, no question about that. Commissioner Kent Paulson joining us at the Frontier Conference. Mike Miller, State Farm Hotline. A couple of quick questions for you too. Um, have have you had any issues with the protocols as far as fans in the stands and or, you know, the wearing of masks during competition as far as coaches and on the bench and, and all that? We really haven't. Uh, you know, the way we've approached it is is um, the referees, of course, uh, uh, abide by the league protocols. Uh, they, uh, they have an entry check, uh, a screening just like you and I have when we go into a doctor's office. Uh, they uh, they've been very uh, very good to work with. Uh, we know that many of them in their jobs uh, are uh, virus testing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mask up. You you've seen it where they uh, have their mask in their pocket and during any uh, dead ball timeout, uh, any type of uh, pregame. You know they're socially distancing. They're uh, they're masked. The uh, the coaches have been outstanding. Yeah, they get excited and they. Uh, they pull that mask down and uh, and they uh, mark out a few instructions and uh, and uh, I was I was kidding one of the coaches I said gosh I watched you on the webcast and I I thought you had grown a black beard and it turns out it was just his mask he uh, he, <laughs> he had it on his chin more than he had it on his mouth he kind of got the message from the commissioner that yeah I, I need to do better with that uh, but uh, you know the the students. Uh, they, they've just done an outstanding job. The trainers uh, tap them on the shoulder. They remind them. Um, I get it. They come off uh, the floor. You know, they're uh, toweling off. They're getting a drink, and and uh, they may not have their mask on immediately. But uh, they're all in it. They they know the drill. They're uh, they're doing their very very best, and they want to stay healthy just so they can continue to play. And and uh, so we really haven't had any any problems whatsoever. Um, uh, I certainly want all of the listeners to know, and I've replied to a number of emails. Uh, uh, every week we meet with our uh, athletic directors. We meet um, at least once a month with our presidents and athletic directors. And uh, on every agenda, we, we certainly talk about spectators. There's uh, there's no one that would want to have our moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and sports fans back in the gym more than I. And I uh, I understand there's an eagerness, certainly, as uh, the seasons progress to get spectators back in. And uh, I know our presidents, who will certainly have the final say, will analyze all of the uh, good information that they're receiving from the local health departments as well as their athletic directors. And uh, we talk about it every week, Jason. It isn't like we just carte blanche uh, made a decision that's, uh, right. that's uh, league-wide uh, for the whole, whole year. We're continuing to evaluate. Well, I'm hoping we can get some fans in the stands for football because otherwise we've got to make some money for these schools somehow. But 
Um, that's a discussion for another day is the uh, the financial aspect of things because that can literally fill up an entire hour of conversation. Um, I got to say, you've, gotten, you've done a nice job. We've lost some basketball games. We've lost a lot of basketball games, both non-conference and conference. But uh, so far, you know, we're on track for sending some teams to uh, at least to regionals and hopefully get them to Kansas City and Sioux Falls. You bet. Yeah, we uh, we have another great league this year. And, and uh, you know, once the ball goes up, those kids are competing uh, with or without us in the, uh, in the uh, gym. Uh, just a, a, a league that's a joy to watch. Uh, great parity on both sides, men and women. Yep. And uh, we just had some uh, some excellent, excellent basketball being played. And you know, given what all these kids have been through this year, uh, gosh, uh, it's just uh, it's a real credit. It's a real testimony to the framework of the uh, institutions, their grades, uh, our academic all conference uh, lists have never been better. Final question for you, and I know you've talked to Rob Cashel probably more in the last eight months or ten months than you have in the previous, you know, five or six years, um, the commissioner of the Cascade Conference. But with the Cascade, and this goes back to the SOU-EOU deal, and, you know, they're still not allowed to play basketball, but I, I worry about soccer. I worry about softball. We have Montana schools that play in the Cascade for those. Um, how much conversation are you having with uh, Commissioner Cashel about all of that? Oh my, we, uh, I wish, I wish we had a dollar for every Zoom call that the, both of us have been on. Uh, in fact, I was just, I was just on one today with, uh, with Rob. He uh, presided. He's actually the, uh, president. Uh, his term is uh, going on right now as the president of our commissioner's organization. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we certainly talk. We know that it, again, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, we, we have states that are all in different different stages uh in dealing with the uh the pandemic um but uh we we have you know we we cross over certainly the ad's at rocky and providence and carol uh and northern uh with wrestling uh we um, we have them report in our meetings so that we keep an eye on what's what's going on just as rob keeps an eye with his football instead of playing as associate members in our league uh, I know uh, in our discussions of how we slotted uh, sports, uh, where we play Friday night with volleyball and Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening with basketball and Sunday afternoon. And then uh, soccer was slotted in for Sunday afternoons and Monday. And uh, I, uh, I heard uh, uh, both Doug Ashley at Providence and Charlie Gross at Carroll talking today uh, about uh, a reschedule that they have for soccer. Uh, and uh, so I know there's a plan for a, a soccer season. Uh, I know there's uh, certainly a, a plan. The wrestling is going on right now. and They're doing things a little differently uh, this year with duels only uh, for both men and women. And so, uh, yeah, we, we talk, uh, we, 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 uh, we, we, uh, we are actually the, we're the authors of what the NAI now has, uh, as an associate members rule, the Cascade and the Frontier were, were the pioneers in that, and uh, it worked very well with our two conferences. And now that that particular arrangement is uh, is 
utilized throughout the uh, the NAI land, and there's lots of conferences that have profited from that. So uh, all systems go until uh, until somebody tells me we can't watch. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, hey, I always appreciate the time. I'd love to chat longer um, and, and about other things, and uh, you're just – you're doing a great job, and I'm one that said we shouldn't play, but the way you guys have put it off to uh, and put it on has been uh, remarkable, and I applaud you guys. So, um, thanks for giving us something to talk about, at least. <laughs> you bet, uh, Jason. Always, uh, always great, my friend, to visit. And uh, if there's another opportunity and uh, another time, uh, you bet uh, we'll come back on the show and uh, we'll talk about the. The next success, hopefully, we have with the next sport. So, uh, no, no doubt. Keep me on your quick dial. Uh, well, yeah, just answer when I call, will you? <laughs> it's like you're screening yeah, your calls. I, you're like your kid. I, he's like he won't I, answer my calls. No, I, I joke. I know my uh, my secretary thinks uh, he says it's that Walker guy again. Do you want to take the call? <laughs> uh, appreciate you, my friend, and uh, yeah, stay safe up there. And we'll talk soon. Yep. Will do. See you later, All right. That Thank is you. Commissioner Kent Paulson of the Frontier Conference. Oh, man. So there you go. All systems go. And, like, we're going to have – I don't know if there's enough student workers at these schools, but they're going to pull it off somehow where you got soccer and softball and and basketball and football and volleyball and track. and go, you got everything going on. It's going to be fun uh, in the Frontier and the Cascade, and we'll keep an eye on everything for you. Appreciate the commissioner joining us here on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. Quick break, coming right back. A conversation that needs to be heard and needs to be had. Haley Sutton joins us next on the Jason Walker Show. Storewide savings are what you'll find when you shop for new home furnishings at Rutgers Furniture. This means tremendous values on Helena's largest in-stock selection of home furnishings. When you shop Rutgers, you'll find storewide savings on the furniture you want for every room in your home. And you'll also find our selection of Serta Eye Comfort, the most comfortable beds in Helena. 12-month financing is available with approved credit on most purchases over $299. Ask for details. You'll find storewide savings at Rutgers Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. Have you thought about buying a home and just don't know where to begin? Well, when it comes to one of the most important purchases one can make, we understand it can be frustrating and confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Major Mortgage Team help you with all your mortgage needs. Major Mortgage means major service, and we would love the opportunity to help you today. Give J.R. McFadden, NMLS number 1246357, a call today at 406-465-1918. Or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of AMCAP Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show on a Tuesday. Still to come top of the hour, Talon Hope will join us, singer and songwriter uh, living in Nashville. And uh, just a teenager still, but we'll talk to her coming up top of the hour. Um, Last week, as you know... um, we had a conversation a week ago today, uh, again, about the uh, the issue of sexual harassment or harassment in the world of sports. And I reached out to uh, a couple of my uh, female uh, friends who are also sports reporters. And Haley Sutton um, was kind enough to uh, take some time out of her schedule on vacation, actually, to join us. And she joins us now as we talk about a very important subject, sexual harassment. In the world of sports. 
All right, Haley, I appreciate you joining us. You are um, near Dallas visiting folks, but uh, you said they're working, so this is okay. Yeah, this is absolutely okay. They're both. My mom's a teacher, so she's at school, and then my dad is a like general contractor, so he's meeting with clients. Oh, very. Kind of nice. do the same thing we're doing. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, before we get started on the real reason I wanted to talk to you today is a tough day for the world of sports. It is the day that we lost Kobe and his daughter a year ago today in that terrible helicopter crash. Um, your thoughts now, Haley, a year later. Yeah, I I think it was weird waking up this morning. You know, I remember exactly where I was. I was at the gym, and um, I was talking with my boyfriend. We were getting around workout, and I hate abs, and I remember complaining about him about doing abs, and he was like, oh, my gosh, Kobe Bryant just died. And I was like, no, he didn't. Like, stop, stop playing. And it took a while, I think, to get that confirmed because it came through TMZ. So then everyone was like, okay, well, it's TMZ, but – yeah, you talk about losing an icon. Kobe Bryant was, I think, the reason why I fell in love with the game, fell in love with sports, and particularly the NBA. I had really no interest in the NBA until Kobe. Um, I wore number 24 growing up because of Kobe, and you talk about a guy whose reach is way bigger than just sports or just his sport. You know, he was an advocate for women. He was an advocate for the soccer world, which obviously I'm very passionate about playing soccer all my life. Um, and so I think this morning is it's tough, you know, and I think about what his family is going through because they not only lost Kobe, they lost their little baby girl too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just continue to echo my sentiments to his family, to anyone, you know, who is really close with him in that regard and, um, I'm sure the NBA will do something to kind of remember him again as well, but definitely a tough and odd day to say a year later that this happened. I can't believe that it's already been a year. Um, and I knew the date was coming up, and then all of a sudden yesterday, like, oh, man, tomorrow's the day. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned a bit advocate for women's sports, and I am too. I always have been. And he he helped change a lot of opinions about women's athletics, not just soccer, not just basketball, but in general and in the sports world, as far as sports anchors and sports reporters, just he helped women in such a way that so many people never thought of. Oh yeah. I mean, those orange hoodies that everyone's wearing, he was kind of one of the first guys to push for the WNBA orange hoodies and to push for, you know, women having, a level playing field. And again, like I said, not just in basketball, but um, in coaching, in life in general, in other sports. And I think that as a woman, that's really powerful because a lot of times it's just us screaming, right? It's us Mm -hmm. saying, you know, this is not right. We need better. And to have someone like Kobe Bryant, you know, it's not just like a random NBA player, like it's the Kobe Bryant advocating for you. I think that that really made and continues to make a difference every day. Haley Sutton joining us, uh, Jason Walker Show, sports anchor reporter at WSFA Channel 12. Um, all right, speaking of sports and women in sports, last week Jared Porter, New York Mets, gets fired, and this is a story we've heard way too often. And like I told you before we uh, came on the, on the air, that I can have this discussion as much as I want, but until – things change and until a female perspective comes on the show, 
I don't think I can make as big of a difference, like, you know, as Kobe, for instance, as I'd like. But sexual mm-hmm. harassment or harassment continues in the world of sports, and it's sickening, and it's just – I don't even know any more adjectives to describe it. It's just so mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, I mean, and I feel for that woman so bad because not only was she brave enough to come forward and tell her story, but even when she tried to keep it confidential, naturally, you know, details were released that she asked not to be released. And, you know, so it not only was it a challenging thing for her to continually deal with, but, you know, like she's still dealing with the repercussions. She got out of the business because it affected her that badly. And I wish that more people would understand um, how challenging our jobs can be. Um, you know, you examples just with me, you know, going to a football game and, you know, you wear a nice outfit and for whatever reason, that seems to be an incentive to invite people to be flirtatious. Um, and thankfully my parents have, you know, raised me to kind of set that bar and set that standard. So I don't have a problem letting people know, like I'm here for a job. I'm not here to speak to you, but, um, you know, it does get challenging. And like I said, it's heartbreaking to know that this is happening. It's such a magnitude. It continues to happen, even though this, like you said, it it happens way too often. And the fact that a woman was forced to leave her career um, because of the actions of someone else. I mean, I just think that that is, you said it, it's unfair. And I, like I said, I'm, I've run out of adjectives, and I've had this discussion on this show many times because it keeps popping up. And, you know, whether it's a, a radio announcer at Montana State or, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs, guys need to change. And it's on guys to change. It's not on you ladies. It's on us as guys to make a difference. What's your recommendation? Because – we can have the discussion, but how do you make change happen? Oh, that is the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, I I just wish that we could get to a point in our society, and even without, you know, you take sports out of the equation, just women and men in general. For whatever reason, there's always this stigma that, you know, women – are supposed to be accepting. It's supposed to be complimentary if you are hitting on the on at work, or we're supposed to appreciate that you're, you know, for lack of better terms, appreciating us. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing that would help immensely is if people just let us do our jobs. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that most of the women who advocate for this or women in general who, you know, maybe aren't as confident going forward advocating like that is just let us do our job. When I show up to a basketball game, you know, I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to say hello, but I'm not there for you to ask me for my phone number. I'm not there, you know, for, for you to ask me if I want to go on a date. I'm there to do a job. And just because I work in sports and, you know, I'm not a man, it doesn't, it doesn't give you the right and the invitation. And I, and I, I think where it gets challenging is a lot of times, you know, when you, when you say like, Hey, no, thank you. I'm not interested. That's where it can get scary. I just watched a video the other day uh, and I don't know where the city was, but a woman went into a liquor store to purchase a bottle of wine, like a 35 year old woman. And she was, it was after work. She was just grabbing a bottle of wine to like go home and unwind after a long day. And a group of men outside, 
they harassed her as she was going in. A couple of them followed her into the liquor store. They kept saying, let me buy this bottle for you. Come home with us. Da, 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 da. And she politely declined. And as she was leaving the store, they beat her up. Wow. I mean, these men attacked her because she was not interested in them. And obviously that's an extreme example, but you know, that's something that could happen to any of us. That's something that could happen to me as I'm leaving a football game or a basketball game. And again, it's extreme, but that's why we say just let us do our job. If we are interested in you, I promise you, we will let you know that we're interested in you. You know, it's a, it's a mutual thing when you, you know, if you're interested and you know, Mm -hmm. but I just wish that when I, when I show up to something, please understand, like, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to shoot the highlights or shoot my story or talk to a coach or a player or do an investigative piece. Like, I'm not there to go on a date. And I think if that was the understanding going forward, a lot of this would, I wouldn't say it goes away, but it definitely gets nipped in the bud a little bit. Haley Sutton, our guest here, uh, WSFA Channel 12 in Montgomery, right? Alabama? Yes. Nice. Montgomery, Alabama. My daughter's a grad, a grad student down in Auburn right now. So, um, Oh, nice. Yeah. She, I love Auburn. She loves it down there, yeah. Um, all right. Let me ask you this. Is it – are women in sports sexualized because – look at volleyball outfits. Look at beach volleyball. I mean, look at the sports that's – I mean – Women's tennis players, women's golfers are expected to wear certain things. Um, mm-hmm. Is that part of the reason still today? Because we sexualized women in sports for so long that it doesn't matter if you're a reporter or a, or a, or a player, you're just going to be sexualized, and, and that's supposed to be the way it, it's okay. Well, no, I don't think so. I, I am a big advocate of you wear what you feel you want to wear, you know, like, I mean, obviously I think there's certain, I'm not going to show up to work in a bikini because it's not appropriate for me to wear a bikini at work. Um, but also, you know, we get complaints all the time in Alabama when we wear sleeveless dresses because some of the older conservative women think that it's inappropriate for us to show our shoulders on TV. And I'm sorry, but this is not 1954, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that there's always been this, the stigma behind a woman should be this or a woman should be that. And for so long, we've been told what we're supposed to wear, what we're not supposed to wear. And, you know, when you think about just specifically clothing, it's it's just like you can never do any right. So if you show up and you're wearing a low cut dress, right? And because it's what makes you feel good. It makes you feel sexy. That's what it is. Well, now you're too sexy. You're asking for it. You're, you know, you're asking for that invitation. On the other hand, if you show up in a blazer and a high neck and, you know, flat, well, she's too conservative, like, you know, no one's going to want to watch her because she's not sexy enough. So it's just, I feel like we have spent so much time blaming the woman for the issues. I mean, if, if you can't watch a volleyball game without getting turned on because the outfits are a little bit tighter, then that sounds like a you problem. That doesn't sound like a me problem. Because to me, when those volleyball players are out there playing volleyball, they don't seem to be worrying about what they're wearing. They're playing their sport and they're doing really well. Um, so I think at the end of the day, like, again, if you're the one who's facing an issue with what someone's wearing, then it sounds like a you problem. But for so long, we have just told women what they have to do, what they can do, what they can't do. It's not good enough. It's too much. 
No, I mean, I'm I'm the first to admit that I, I, I love beautiful women. Um, but I also, you know, I, I, I'm not, when I filmed in television, you know, it wasn't a sex thing filming volleyball. I was there doing a job. I was there filming unbelievable athletes. Um, and that, the, the uniform did change. And from when I grew up and it was, you know, it was terrible outfits, um, but then, you know, I had a daughter who played volleyball in high school, um, and her and I talked about that. And she's like, that is just comfortable. It's much more easier yeah. to play volleyball. But I, my, I guess my, my question was more of because te- television has sexualized women in sports for so long, is it, I mean, is it still the, the stigma? I, I, you, know, I, I, you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think just, again, like, as a woman, you know, like like your daughter said, it's it's comfortable. It's, and as someone who's played volleyball, it's easier to play volleyball in a pair of spandex than it is to play in, like, a pair of basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. You use more movement, more range of motion. Um, and I think, again, like, as far as sexualizing women, like, we're going to be chastised for anything we do no matter what. I mean, I really, we're going to be chastised for anything. It goes back to, again, like you can be the one who chooses to wear the shorts at the volleyball game when everybody else on your team is wearing the spandex, and people are going to say, oh, she's not comfortable with her body. She's mm-hmm. That's why she's wearing shorts. And it, it just seems like no matter what the issue is, it always stems back to it being the woman's fault. And that's where the stigma needs to change because, you know, like, you don't see conversations like this happening about like what Stephen A. Smith is wearing on TV right now. Right. You know, someone might make a joke about it if he's wearing something corny, but you know, you don't have these long and in-depth conversations about, you know, Max Kellerman's outfit being inappropriate or, you know, even your local TV sports guy. I don't think my sports director has ever had an issue with people saying anything about the way he looks ever. And I've been there. He's been there six years. I've been here a year and I'm constantly getting messages in my, you know, social media or email box. And so, again, it goes back to if we all, I think, just mind our business and realize that whatever we're wearing, it, it doesn't matter because we're there to do our job. Like I said, there's there's a time and a place. I'm not going to wear a bikini to work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, like if my uniform is a span, is spandex and like a tank top, then that's the uniform and we seem to stop telling women what to do. <laughs> Right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm on your side on this. Haley Sutton joining us here, Jason Walker show. Um, t- tell me some personal experiences if you can, that aren't, you know, like even in great falls, I don't know. Um, if you dealt with anything, I know, you know, Julianne Delorso, who, who I worked with, um, she was across town at the CBS, but she dealt with stuff. And even in great falls or you come to Helena or go to Billings. I mean, there's just, tell me some personal stories if you can. Yeah, um, I, Great Falls wasn't awful, and I say this with all the love in my heart because I loved Great Falls and I loved my time in Montana, but um, I don't know that I was everyone's um, desired woman, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, being like a, a black woman in a predominantly white-dominated market, thankfully I didn't have to worry about weirdos as much as I am in Montgomery, which is, you know, a pretty even spread. So, I mean, in, in Great Falls, I didn't have the challenges of, you know, necessarily, I, there were weirdos, there's weirdos everywhere, and they're always 
sliding into your DMs and asking you on dates. Um, but I mean, in Montgomery, I have had to block people on social media. I have had um, men send me inappropriate pictures. I have had um, the biggest thing that I'm dealing with right now is I'm transitioning from straightening my hair all the time to wearing it curly. And while it's not necessarily a, a sexual thing, I've had several messages saying, well, we prefer it when you wear it straight. It looks more professional when you wear your hair straight. And again, like it's not the sexual aspect of it, but it's just the mere fact that a man is taking time out of their day to let me know that they would rather me wear my hair straight than wear it how it, it naturally is by itself mm -hmm. you would never have Stephen, my boss would never have that issue you know unless he like wore in a mohawk maybe or something dramatic <laughs> but um but yeah and there's definitely been some weird experiences i'll give you an experience of a coworker of mine she's actually dealing with right now um because it's fresh on my head but she just recently found out her neighbor has been stalking her her neighbor across the hallway has been stalking her and she's going through all of these courts of law, like all the processes to kind of figure out how to get him in jail. And the short end of the stick is she's having to move because of all these moving parts and she wants to get away and the court's not moving fast enough. So she is having to pack up her life and move to get away from someone who is bothering her. And so, I mean, I think, I don't know. I just think it's crazy. I think it happens all too often to women. I'm a part of Facebook groups where, um, you know, they share their stories and it's horrendous. We just found the other day, um, someone has made, I'm sure it's probably a collection of men has made a Reddit stream of the hottest TV news anchors in the business. And myself, several of my friends were all on this list and it's all screenshots of you know, Instagram pages or, you know, just, it, it's awful. It, it's one of those things. And I was just talking to my mom about it the other day where I was like, gosh, like this, this makes me sometimes want to not be in this business because I think as women in television, you know, we put a lot of ourselves out there. We're expected to be your friend and we're expected to be fun and friendly. And, but then it's like, at what point, are you able to draw that line and, you know, feel comfortable going to work? And I think that that's where that, it all comes back to, again, the ESPN article with the Mets GM, how that journalist had to quit because mm -hmm. she was so uncomfortable. So, I mean, it happens a lot. I can screenshot you my DM. <laughs> oh, no. I'm good. I, 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 I've seen some of them on Twitter from other reporters and it just, it, it, it's insane. It absolutely is insane. And, um, I don't, I, it's just frustrating. And I, I'm not a woman, but I feel for it because I have two daughters. I have a wife. I have multiple friends in the industry uh, that deal with stuff like this. And I hate it for you guys. I really do. That's why I reached out and wanted to have this conversation. Um, it seems like for everything that goes good, there's two or three that goes bad. I mean, the Marlins just hired uh -huh. a female general manager who I think the Mets, as a Mets fan, should have hired. Um, yeah. That we wouldn't have had Jared awesome. Porter. But, um, <laughs> you know, so there's a great step there for a woman in sports who earned it and deserves it and worked her tail off. And then you've got that reporter in Chicago, like you said, that had to leave her job now um, four mm -hmm. years ago, I guess, because of this. And it's just so frustrating. Um, I wish I could do something other than just have a conversation. 
But I think having conversations is where it all starts. I mean, when you think about some of the, you know, the biggest things that push for change, it started with a conversation. And I think, um, you know, like you said, with the good comes the bad, but also I think the good is really good. Um, women are taking so many strides just in this past year. I mean, look at the Super Bowl. We have our first woman officiating the Super Bowl. On Monday, we have two women officiating an NBA basketball yeah. game for the first time in the history of the sport. So, I mean, it, it while it's easier to harp on the bad and talk about this is bad, 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 like there is a lot of good things happening. Like women are making steps. And I know like, it's easier for me than it was for those women. And then my hope is that, you know, the women who are in my shoes in 20 years, whenever, you know, hopefully I'm where I want to be in my career, they won't have to deal with this kind of stuff or deal with it as much because I don't think it'll ever go away. But I think if we continue to put spotlights on it and the biggest thing is um, making sure that, you know, people are punished accordingly. I think a lot of times a lot of this stuff gets, you know, swept under the rug and that old mentality of, oh, well, she was probably asking for it, you know, like when we can get that mentality out the window and, you know, people can say, no, that's wrong. Um, and I think you brought up a really good point, too, about having daughters. Um, that's my favorite thing to remind people whenever they say gross things to me is, oh, my gosh, like, would you say that to your daughter? Or, you know, I'll say things like, wow, like your wife sure looks good in that profile picture. And it just, I, I hope with those extreme responses that it it's like, hello, like, you're a married man with kids. Like, would you want someone to say this kind of stuff to your daughter? Would you want a married man with a wife in his profile picture to say those things to another woman? Um, so I think hopefully with more and more women stepping up and speaking up and setting that standard and saying, this is not okay. And then on the other side of that, men also joining in and saying, no, this is not okay. Um, I think there has been a lot of progress for sure. That is Haley Sutton joining us on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline, and uh, it's eye-opening about harassment in in uh, in the sports world with with female reporters, and we will continue to have that discussion on the Jason Walker Show. There's no question about it, um, because it needs to be it needs to be talked about. But um, I'll, I'll post uh, uh, more with Haley uh, on our website too, or on online later on tonight. All right, let's uh, switch gears and talk about something um, positive, which is music. And this young lady is 15 years old. She's been in Nashville for a while now. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. Do you prefer songwriter or singer first? I'm definitely I'm a singer first. That's how I started, and songwriting came with it. So I would say singing for sure. But okay. There's so many things you can do with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you the proper introduction. It is singer-songwriter, uh, Talon Hope, joining us here on the Jason Walker Show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here and talking to you. And um, just, yeah, so excited to be on today. It is my pleasure. And um, you are – so last week I interviewed um, – a dude that's like in his 70s, 60s, 70s from exile. Um, yeah. Marlon Hargis. And yeah. now, now you're, and you're doing a 15 year old. Now, Marlon didn't post anything for a week before about being on the Jason Walker show. You've been all over Instagram and Facebook and like posting like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be on the Jason Walker show. And so you can tell the difference in in age between you and 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 Mr. Hargis. It's funny. It's 
it's a lot to keep up with the social media and everything, but I, I do most of it and I enjoy just, you know, putting stuff out there for people. So it goes with it for sure, but it's another job. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is a job in itself, just keeping up with social media, isn't it? Sure, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Uh, Taylor Hope joining us, singer-songwriter. You uh, you just released a Christmas song in uh, November, uh, and uh, you, a lot of Christmas stuff. How happy with the music are you? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited with a bunch of stuff I have coming up, and I released a Christmas single um, last month. It's crazy. Does it seem like it was last month? But <laughs> back in December, um, it, it went really good. I mean, it was called My Christmas Life. I wrote it with my great friend Bill DeLuigi and produced it with my producer, Kent Wells, who's Dolly's producer. And I've been working with Kent for about um, five years now. So ever since I started coming and writing and singing in Nashville. So, um, yeah, I just love Christmas music, too. And that, that one did really well. Just been, you know, with everything in quarantine, I just really wanted to put out a happy, um, you know, Christmas song to get out there. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what else is coming this year, though. It's it feels good to be a new year for sure. So, so you're from North Carolina. You're actually in the Appalachians. You're on the other side, uh, or Appalachian Mountains, from next to Appalachian State and Boone, but living in Nashville. But you mentioned Dolly's producer Kent Wells, and yeah, she has to be an inspiration because you're basically on the other side of the mountains from where Dollywood is. It is crazy, yeah. I grew up in the mountains. I've always been, you know, just a country girl raised in North Carolina. And um, we, we, I grew up going to Dollywood all the time. Like, Dolly was always my, you know, biggest inspiration and in music and what she did for other people, too, and her writing. I've just always listened to Dolly and admired everything she'd done and with her career because, you know, I just feel like everybody looks up to her in some way. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just started working with Kent when I was about, I guess, 10 or 11 came down here and started recording. Yeah. So it's been a crazy journey. We've been all around the country doing stuff and performing and just having the time of my life. So I love it, but it's, it's just so cool to kind of see, you know, I've gotten to talk to Dolly a few times and I opened up for her last January um, at the Ronin, which was an incredible experience before COVID hit. And I got to open up for her on that stage and just so many blessed opportunities I've gotten to do with, you know what I love, and it's it's just so cool to see everything you know grow and meet more people, and just you know it's it truly is such such a cool place. Nashville is just because you know everybody gets what what you're doing, and I feel like that's kind of the thing that I wanted to move to Nashville for. Definitely was just it is my I feel like it's just where my people are. That's what me and my mom always say. But that's you know North Carolina is always going to be my home and hometown, and write about it all the time. So. And I go back a lot, too. A lot of my family and friends are there. So it's kind of cool to have two homes. <laughs> right. I, I mentioned the Appalachians, but uh, or Appalachians, but uh, you're actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains of uh, West North Carolina. So uh, West Jefferson. Uh, Tail and Hope, our guest here. And you mentioned the opening for Dolly last January. It was almost, uh, well, what I guess Saturday will be a year to the day. But Lee Greenwood yeah. and Lone Star and Colin Ray and T.G. Shepard were there. I mean, these are legends of country music. And at 14 at the time, you're on the stage at the Ryman with these guys. I mean, Garth Brooks <laughs> performed at the Ryman for the first time when he opened up his, his Sirius channel. Um, that's got to be just – what's it like to stand on that stage at the Ryman Auditorium? I've always – you know, dreamed of singing at the Opry and at the Ryman and 
Um, I remember my parents sent me to Nashville first when I was eight. Um, I wanted to come here for spring break. So I remember touring the Ryman and getting to stand on the stage. And, um, you know, they have, like, photos there, and you can take your picture. And I still have that picture, which is pretty cool. But um, just, you know, it's just something I'd always dreamed of doing. And um, Finn asked me to do it, and I was like, you mean the, the Ryman? And he's like, yeah. And I was just like, you know, just one of the best moments in my life, I have to say, just because it's kind of just like a feeling you can't describe being up there. It is just, you know, very rewarding. And I was just so blessed to be able to even sing one of my songs up there. So um, just a moment I'll never forget. And it's it just, you know, I can't wait to play again there hopefully sometime soon. But it was right before everything hit last year. And it was just kind of, you know, just like a great kickoff to that year and then everything happened. But it was just something I, you know, I kept holding on to. But um, it's just so awesome sharing the stage with those people who I've always looked up to. So it was just, you know, an amazing night for sure. And I'll never forget it. So, Taylor and Hope, our guest here, Jason Walker Show. All right. So I mentioned that night, but, you know, I grew up listening to country and I'm a lot older than you, like, like 30 years <laughs> older than you. Um, so for me to, to hear, see you opening up for Shenandoah and I mentioned T Graham Brown, but, uh, Susie Boggess, Oh my gosh, how popular was she in the nineties? And, and, and she's been to big sky Montana a few times, but Ned Ledoux, the son of Chris yeah. Ledoux as well. And, and Ned's very popular up here, obviously because of, of who his dad is. But, um, you've opened up already at 15 for some from some legends. Yeah, it's just been so cool um, getting to travel and be able to do that. I opened up for Susie in Kansas um, a couple years ago. Um, that was my first time I'd ever been on a plane or anything, and I just remember it was just it was a crazy plane. <laughs> story, but, wait, wait, why, um, is, it, why is that? Now, tell me this story. Well, I've never been on a plane before, and I was just like, wow, we're going to Kansas. I'm so excited to, you know, go and open up for Susie and this really cool show. And because um, I'd always, you know, Kansas is a lot, they've got a lot of music down there, and everybody's so sweet. And um, yeah, so there was, there was a terrible, like, there was terrible turbulence on the plane, and it was just, <laughs> it was, it was stuff, was, it was just an experience that, um, I'll never forget too. <laughs> but, oh my gosh! That was my first um, plane experience. I guess we were going into Texas, and the, it was is a small plane because it was in Wichita, Kansas, is where I performed at. So, um, but yeah, we got there. They were like holding up signs and stuff, and they were just so sweet. And Susie was awesome too. But there's many music stories with traveling and everything with bands and everything <laughs> like that. That you know, that's just that's just another an amazing part of music is just making those memories and. You know, then going to play on stage, but still there's a lot of behind the scenes, too. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a lot of fun, yeah. Taylor and Hope, our guest here, Jason Walker Show, 15 years old. Um, I'm going to talk about your musical influences here in a second, but you've got to appear at the Bluebird, which is legendary. That and Tootsie's in in Nashville. What's it like to be at the Songwriter Nights at the Bluebird? Because, I mean, those are legendary nights. I mean, anybody who's anybody will show up on any given night at the Bluebird. It's so amazing. I remember just, you know, always wanting to play at the Bluebird and, you know, just places like that in Nashville, because one thing Nashville's so cool for is having those real songwriters places where people, you know, come and actually listen to the songwriter and the songs they sing mm-hmm. that, you know, it could be the biggest song in the world or just a song that's not even been heard yet. That's going to be huge. It's, it's so cool to see, 
you know, songs like get put out that way. And um, I don't know, I played it for Bluebird, I guess, the first time I was 11 um, with my good friend Bill Luigi, who I still write with. I did around there, and I've, I've played the Bluebird ever since. And um, places like the Listening Room in Nashville, I actually host my own rounds there. Now I've got a show um, on February 6th. I just played there a couple weeks ago. But just stuff like that. I mean, just like staying safe and everything, of course. Right. But just those places to see people come in from everywhere to hear their songs. And um, those places are so cool because people really listen to what you have to say, which is amazing as an artist. Um, probably speaking for everyone um, in town there. But it's just so cool to be able to play those amazing places where so many hit songs have been played. And it's, it's just an honor. So. Okay, when you're when you are at the Bluebird and you're playing, who is the biggest country singer that has listened to you at the Bluebird? Gosh, I'm not sure. See, it's so it's that's the cool thing about the Bluebird, just because it's it's kind of dark in there, and so you don't know um, who's people, there. You you really don't. So they put <laughs> you, you put, they put you in this round in the very middle, and you know it's. It's a very small place. You would never imagine it to be that small, just the way it's talked about. But it's it, that's what makes it cool, I think, is just because yep. it's just like a room of people just listening to what you have to say. But you're just in a circle, and that's the only life there is. And there's everybody surrounded you like you're almost like, you know, in, in a living room, just, you know, hanging out, singing songs. So, But um, it's just such a cool place, and um, I'm happy to say I've gotten to play there with some of my good friends. So. Um, yeah, I hope to play there soon. I don't think they're open right now, but just so many places you never know now. But um, yeah. it's it's so cool to be able to play places like that with my song. So it's so much fun. Kale and Hope joining us, Mike Miller, State Farm Hotline. Okay, so it lists like Carrie Underwood, Martina McBride, obviously Dolly, um, Keith Urban, Trisha Yearwood, uh, Vince Gill is some of your, your influences. These are all relatively, you know, newer do you go back to the the sixties, the seventies at all? Besides Dolly? Yeah, I I actually grew up listening to people like Patsy Klein and Kenny mm. Wells, people like that. That stuff. I always try to put that element of music in my my songs. I just feel like that's just what really made country music what it is. I wrote a song called "Women of Country" with my good friend Devin O'Day here in Nashville. She's awesome. Um, but that one really just like kind of talks about the women of country. What who made country music who it is and just, you know, all that traditional stuff that really, you know, that everybody follows in the footsteps of that. So I've always looked up to that old music as well. So yeah, just people like that. I've always grown up singing their songs and try to put, you know, my little twist of kind of stuff they did um, now, but a bunch of those newer artists too, just a big range. I really, really love 90s country. I grew up on a lot of that. So um, just, you know, Reba's just, one of my biggest influences on some, some of those people you name, just so many people. I try to, you know, look at different aspects and songs and every way they write different. And it, it's just so cool to see different varieties of artists and, and country music for sure. It's a, it's a great genre and um, a lot of people just, you know, learn from it. So, yep. Uh, plus you got the red hair like Reba. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's always been a big um, inspiration for me, and not only the hair, but her music. I just, yeah. I just think the writing style is just incredible, and um, just always, and the way she performs. You look back and watch um, Reba's videos of her performing, and she's just spot on every note. So um, I love to watch videos like that, and you know, just really 
you know, just look at what they did and look at what made them get there. So it's just, it's really cool as a young artist to look back at, you know, the people that, you know, paved the way. So. Sure. Uh, let me ask you this. When you're writing a song, when you when you go to, to sit down, and I know you guys have these songwriter meetings and 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 everything, um, but when you go and sit down, do you have ideas? Do you come up with ideas? I mean, take me through the – it blows my mind how you guys write songs. I can't even <laughs> write my name sometimes, Talon, let alone – a song, and you guys are amazing at this, just how you spin, forget the musical aspect of it, just how you spin lyrics to make them seem like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. And, and, and it amazes me how you guys do it. Take me through the writer's process. It is so crazy because I I started writing, or I've always loved writing in school. I've always loved just you know, writing down what I feel or with music. I wrote my first song with my mom when I was eight years old on, on a snow day. So, um, just, you know, I always have just loved music and singing. And that's what I started with. And when I came to Nashville the first time, I realized, well, these artists write their songs. So um, I, I started writing my own little stuff and put out a couple albums, you know, for my hometown and stuff and, um, you know, stuff like that. And then I um, started coming here when I was um, 11 with my producer and started setting up co-writes with all these writers. And I've learned from every single co-write that I've gone into over the past, um, I guess, six years now. It's just so crazy to be able to learn from each writer. But um, definitely just I, I come up with ideas, um, ideas I have, just some inspiration, you know, my life, other people's lives. I just as a songwriter, you're just always looking for anything to, um, you know, write down or put down in your notes or just any experience, any movie, anything like that. You're always just looking for that um, way to be creative. Um, but, yeah, I, I usually start with the title, come in with the writer. Um, I, I, some, it depends. You know, sometimes I'll start with a melody on my piano and start doing with that. And um, I, I've actually been writing a lot more with piano lately and started writing by myself a ton this past year. And I've just, I feel like developed a lot in my writing and just really kind of found out who I am trying to be as an artist, which is pretty cool. Cause I feel like you're really going to find out who you are as an artist once you start doing your own songs and writing by yourself for sure. Cause then you know what to talk to the co-writer about and what to, you know, kind of tell them your style is, but just so many incredible people I've gotten to write with. You know, I mentioned Devin O'Day, Bill Luigi, Melissa Rowe. I wrote with um, Casey Bethard, who's an incredible writer, written so many hits, and Bridget Tatum, her too. Just so many people. Mo Pitney, I've wrote a few songs with. Just many people I could go on for days and just so grateful I've gotten to write with them. You know, just never, never would have thought I would ever be able to write down, sit down and write a song. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, just because Nashville is a small world, and um, you meet people, and then you write with them the next day. It's, it's really cool that way. I love it. But um, yeah, just sitting down with a guitar. I just I love to start with the chorus first and kind of build around that. But yeah, just lyrically, I feel like I've grown a lot in the past year because it does take. I mean, I feel like songwriting does take as much practice as performing and singing because it, it is just owning your craft and being able to find out who you are through your writing and. When, when you're writing with other people, too. So, well, so uh, I mean, I'm, I brought him up before, but I, I, I love Garth Brooks. In fact, I mean, I grew up on Merle Haggard and Don Williams, and then, you know, I, I 
you know, grew up in the 80s, so it was like, all right, I love, like, pop music and 80s music, but the dance yeah. brought me back. And I know Garth didn't write it, but the dance brought me back to country in 1989. And yeah. Garth is such an amazing songwriter. And to hear his stories, Taylor, about how, you know, he'll write a song, and then it'll sit there for 15 years before they end up cutting it. Um, and you're only 15 <laughs> years young right now. But do you have songs that you've written in the – I mean, because you change so much. Like Gar says, you change from a 19-year-old to a, a 40-year-old. I mean, there's – you're going to change between now and, and even next year. But you just mentioned, like you said, you've changed a lot in 2020. Um, there's a lot of growth still, and I – it's just amazing to me. And do you – do you have songs that you wrote back in like 20, you know, when you were 10 and now all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, I got to revisit this. Yeah, definitely. I have so many songs now. I, I keep a, I try to keep a, you know, catalog of all my stuff and just all the lyrics. There's sometimes I've, sometimes this year when I was in quarantine, I'd be able to go back and find old songs and maybe change some lyrics or kind of to fit my style now more, which is really cool just because, you know, I feel like, lyrics and music are always going to stay with you and you can do whatever you want with it. And that's such a, such a cool thing about songwriting is just because there's so many different songs you can write and so many different ways you can change the song after. But yeah, even now I've just got so many songs. I've so many songs I've not been able to record or anything, but um, hopefully I've, I've picked out a few for maybe an EP coming in April or May. Um, so that that's going to be exciting just it's it's really interesting to pick the songs too that you know feel like most people like and um, that fit your voice right and you know just I mean enjoy you know singing them the most too that's really important but just it's crazy to go back and look at all the songs I've recorded and haven't recorded and some I've forgot about and some I just you know look at my phone I'm like oh I forgot I wrote that let me <laughs> sing that at the listening room this Saturday just stuff like that it's nice. it's really cool to be able to go back and find them because it is like a journey and a story to see how much you're writing and has evolved too. It's just really cool to look back and all that stuff. So a couple of final things. Um, I've kept you longer than I should have, but uh, I hope Bev doesn't get upset, but Keith Burns you've written with from trick pony, right? Yeah. Keith Burns. He's awesome. I've, I've met him uh, back in gosh, 2003 or four here in Montana. What an amazing yeah. talent he is. And I mean, you you listened to some of his Trick Pony stuff with, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Heidi and, and Ira. I mean, that was am, uh, amazing. But um, he's a good dude. He's so awesome. Yeah, he's he's such an amazing performer too, as well as a songwriter. Like like I wrote with Keith um, uh, um, for many songs. Actually, I had a few of our songs on my past album, and um, he's he's really such an awesome performer, and he's just a, a funny guy, and he'll just. <laughs> He'll just write an amazing song with you, so he's definitely someone I look up to. He's, he's really awesome. So, and his his music his music's really great. Yep, uh, I've listened mm-hmm. to some of your stuff uh, getting ready for this interview. One of my favorites, if it wasn't for the storms, and that was released um, after the tornadoes in September last year in Nashville. And Nashville's been through a lot. And I talked to Marlon about this last week, but Nashville's been to, through a lot. And this was a fantastic song. Um, I appreciate I appreciate the lyrical uh, aspect of it. Oh, thank you so much. I wrote this with um, Bill DeLuigi. Um, we wrote it back in March um, after the tornadoes hit. Actually, I think that a day or two after, um, 
and it was actually just to the point where COVID had hit America and everything like that, and um, um, just scary because nobody really knew what was happening. But then also they thought it was going to going to go away fast. And I had a title just called "If It Wasn't for the Storms." Um, the day after the tornado, so I came in the bill and um, we wrote it, and we didn't know kind of what it would mean for the whole year after I put it out and everything. So it's just kind of saying if it wasn't for those bad times, we would never appreciate the good to come and the good in the future and what you're in, you know, now is, um, it's always going to get better. So kind of thing, but that song has really been cool. I had a bunch of people submit like art and everything for like the cover and stuff and people painted storms. And that was one of my favorite memories of last year, seeing all those people sending all that stuff. But that song definitely means a lot to me and just because I feel like it's a, a song that that really just lifts you up and it always just kind of shows there's there's good things to come always so no matter what you're going through I, and especially uh, for life. so yeah no I, I appreciate it and it's got a little there's a little nitty-gritty dirt band in there with one oh. of the, one of the lines for all us lonely raindrops if it wasn't for the storms now if it wasn't how did, how did now I forgot how it goes if it wasn't for the rain, uh, we never have, oh, you, help me out here. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. For all us lonely raindrops, if it wasn't for the storm. Yep. That uh, yep. That's that part. But there's a, there's a line from, there's a song from New Degree Dirt Band that reminds me of that line. And uh, you could tell a little bit of influence in there. Love their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm going to forget. Now it's going to drive me nuts until I remember that song. But um Nitty-gritty dirt band. You'll 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 know. You'll go back and listen to it, Taylor, and you'll figure out what it is, and then be like, "Oh my gosh, that Jason dude was knew what he was talking about." <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I gotta let you run, but I appreciate the the time, and I look forward to you know to chatting with you soon, and I'll be in touch so that we can uh, we can get you on again when your new album comes out or new EP in in April or May, and. You're a lot of fun yeah. and a uh, great songwriter for so young. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55. Uh, the lyrics can come from the you know the heart, and I love it. Um, continued success, and uh, I do look forward to getting. I'll be in touch on Instagram. I got to get some stuff hanging up in here from you. Awesome, yeah. Please, yeah, have me on again. And I've had so much fun. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Taylor. We'll talk soon. Okay. Awesome. Have a great night. Yeah, Thank you too. You. That is Taylor Hope, an uh, up-and-coming 15-year-old country singer in the world of Nashville. And uh, seriously, she's got some unbelievable songs. Um, you can go to uh, taylorhope.org or .com and check it out. Uh, Taylor Hope Music. Check it out. Uh, T-A-Y-L-O-N. But, um, yeah, she's fantastic. If we're ever going to see the rainbow, you got to stand a little rain. Stand a little rain. That's it. Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Stand a Little Rain. That's what it's called. There you go. Stand a Little Rain. That's what uh, her song reminds me of The if it weren't for the storms or wasn't for the storms. So there you go. All right. Thanks to Taylor and Hope for joining us here on the Jason Walker Show. Real quick, we'll wrap up here with uh, On This Day in History as uh, – I love this. I, I just love talking to people or talking with people. And we had a great show today. Holy cow. Uh, today is January the 26th. It is Green Juice Day. It is Peanut Brittle Day. It is uh, Plan for Vacation Day, which I'm doing with uh, the wife for her birthday next month. And it is also National Spouses Day. So I feel like I should be celebrated. Women, wives get celebrated all the time. And February is tough for me. 
I got Valentine's Day on the 14th. Her birthday is a few days after that. What about, where's my celebration? National Husband's Day. That's what we need. Spouse's Day today, but we need Husband's Day. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we'll do a couple of American skater Charles uh, Jutra becomes the first ever Winter Olympic gold medalist in 1924 in France in the speed skating, 500 meter. Chicago beat New England on the state 1986, Super Bowl 20, 46-10. Jan Stenerud on this day 1991 became the first pure place kicker to make the NFL Hall of Fame. 1992 in the Super Bowl 26, Minneapolis, Washington beats Buffalo. 2003 in Super Bowl 37 at Qualcomm, Tampa Bay beat Oakland. Australian Open on this date in 2003, Andre Agassi won his eighth and last Grand Slam title. 2008, Maria Sharapova won her first and only Aussie Open, beats Anna Ivanovic. Uh, Maria won five. On this date in 1880, Douglas MacArthur was born, and I've showed you this picture before, but uh, this is my grandpa after he'd been wounded in Korea, shot in the hip. But that's my grandpa obviously on the hospital bed, and uh, General MacArthur. Uh, it's MacArthur's birthday today. Paul Newman was born on this date in 1925. Bob Euchre in 1935. Eddie Van Halen in 1955. It's Wayne Gretzky's birthday, 1961. Uh, let's see, 1983, Bear Bryant passed away. Paul Bear Bryant, uh, Alabama coach, dies at the age of 69. So uh, there you go. Okay, let's uh, get to this. Maybe? You going to play? Hello? Play? Maybe not? Apparently, I don't... Are we even on the... I don't even know if we're on the air anymore. <laughs> All right, uh, the walk-off. It is uh, 1998. President Clinton. This was the date, 1998. He said, uh, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Terrible impersonation. Terrible. But there you go. All right. What a busy show. What a great show. Tail and Hope, thank you. Kent Paulson, thank you. Haley Sutton, Phil Cuzzy. Tomorrow we'll talk to Katie Garson Forbit, Capital Girls Coach. Hope you have a fantastic Tuesday. And we'll see you back here tomorrow at 4. If you missed anything, go to jasonawalkershow.com. I'm also going to post the full interview with Haley Sutton about sexual harassment. And we also talk transgender sports. Uh, maybe we'll share that on Thursday as well. JasonWalkerShow.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Have yourself a fantastic Tuesday. Back here tomorrow at 4. We are presented. Hey, you were still in the... Your new crowns came, little princess. There's little princess, her new crown. Uh, we'll be see you back here tomorrow, four o'clock. Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center. To repair them, they're Helena's newest GM certified facility. No matter the. New vehicles keep coming, and Capital Collision Center keeps...